Lily Riddle Narcotics Emporium presents Lily and the Art of Being Sisyphus by the Carnivorous Muffin read by San Gabriel based on the works of J.K. Rowling Chapter 7 The Great Conspiracy Thickens Slightly As far back as Lily could remember, she had never celebrated her birthday. For a while, she hadn't been exactly sure when it was. It had only been pieced together after a few trips to the doctor's office as well as her registration for school. It was nothing like Dudley's birthdays. You'd think those would be a national celebration, what with the cake and the amount of presents and the few small child friends who were invited over while Lily was told to entertain herself somewhere far away from the party. That particular year, though, the Dursleys were distracted enough on Lily's birthday to allow her to do something interesting instead. Whoever erased the Dursleys' memories hadn't done the best job, probably because he hadn't known what he was looking for. Wizard Lennon and later Death both theorized that he had most likely been summoned because of the interference of social services. His orders were promptly to erase anything that had to do with that situation, which meant Lily's appointments with Dr. Mitchell, her near-death experiences, and the birth of Skinner's house. So it was up to the Dursleys to erase what needed to be erased, so some things like Lily's new bedroom vanished like it never happened, but other things like the suggestion that some child was gifted and should be put into a gifted program were not. They just thought the gifted child was Dudley. Remarkably soon after the greasy agent's visit, they were taking Dudley to visit schools and having him take standardized tests to see where he might be placed. Each time he failed one of those tests, they raged for about a day, saying how the schools didn't know what they were talking about and took Dudley out to get ice cream. She wasn't sure Dudley was entirely aware of what was happening, but he knew that if he took the tests, he would get ice cream, so he was as of yet a willing participant. On July 31st, 1986, Dudley received back another letter of denial from yet another program. The first few times this had erupted in mild arguments and then self-assurances that the brilliant Dudley was simply too brilliant for that school to appreciate, and they would move on to the next one. However, this particular letter was from the sixth gifted program, and they were starting to reach the rope's end. It's all those intellectuals, I tell you. Don't appreciate real intelligence when they see it. Think the world's based on book learning. If they wanted book learning, they'd want the girl, wouldn't they? Uncle Vernon asked sharply, as if it was beyond comprehension that any gifted program would ever want Lily. As he walked around the house getting ready for work with more vigor than usual, rejection letters usually did manage to raise his blood pressure. Lily was watching all this from a seated position on the stairs, breakfast having been finished and not yet told to get out of sight. She was taking advantage of this rare opportunity simply to watch the comings and goings of the resident Dursleys. She decided to observe their patterns and keep her psychologist's skills up to date so as to impress Dr. Mitchell when she got around to visiting him again. It was all detailed in a notebook, the daily activities of Uncle Vernon, Aunt Petunia, and even Dudders, and this was on its way to being logged as well. Wizard Lennon had been rather upset with her when she decided to continue therapy with Dr. Mitchell, but he was the only adult who lived in her own dimension who she actually liked, and their sessions had been very educational, so she wasn't about to leave him in the dust just because Big Brother had wiped his memory of her. Uncle Vernon, blood pressure steadily rising, a three on the purple scale of rage, and about to head to work, but too distracted by his own pacing to notice— Possible side effects from memory wipes by this secret glitch-manipulating government, irrationality and delusions, she finished with a flourish and the black pen that she had upgraded to it was at Lennon's insistence. He really hated Crayon. The Petunia entry was blank as of yet, 
but that would soon be remedied by Aunt Petunia's almost scheduled response to Uncle Vernon's temper. Maybe we should just wait a few years, Vernon, until Dudley's done with primary. Then we can try again and they'll see. Aunt Petunia started only to be cut off by her husband, who was stepping steadily up the purple scale by the minute. Although he was still on the low end, it was nowhere near some of the purple rage Lily could induce at times. They're all so nearsighted they couldn't see their own hands if they stuck them in front of their faces. A way to time, pet. Complete way to time. In my day, we didn't have any of this gifted nonsense. You stuck it out with the regular crowd, Uncle Vernon said as he was just about to leave the door, before turning back around and saying, Those bigwig university heads wouldn't know real intelligence if it hit them in the face. And with those final parting words, Vernon Dursley was off to Grunnings to tell tales of glorious hardware that would forever change the lives of its customers, leaving Aunt Petunia standing in the hallway with Lily sitting behind her on the stairs with her notebook of observations and steadily off in the living room watching cartoons. Aunt Petunia must have been upset as well, in her usual tight-lipped grim fashion, because Dudley was yanked away from the television that morning so that the pair of them could go visit the school. Mrs. Fig was then called and after being assured that she could look after Lily, the remaining Dursleys were off. And that was how Lily wound up in the house by herself on her birthday, or mostly by herself. The promise of Mrs. Fig coming over to pick Lily up in ten or so minutes was hardly an authority figure. She'd been set on visiting Diagon Alley for a few weeks now, ever since they had tried to reset her memories, and it seemed like she wouldn't get much better of an opportunity than this one. Besides, if she really wanted to impress Dr. Mitchell, she probably needed a section on the glitch manipulators as well, who knew how they thought. Finding the commuter rail from Surrey had been simple enough, and confusing the ticket machine and collector with a few well-placed glitches was child's play. It was on the train to London that Wizard Lennon started dispensing instructions. You can't go as Eleanor Potter. If they're sending wizards to wipe your memory because of social services, they will certainly send someone if they find you visiting Diagon Alley. Someone wants you living with these muggles very desperately to the point of interfering with the muggle government, and it appears they aren't above the questionable use of abbreviation, either. As far as Lily was concerned, she already wasn't Ellie Potter. Ellie Potter was more of a title than an actual name, something she was called sometimes by some people who didn't know her very well. No, that's not what I mean. Magical Britain is remarkably small, and if I'm correct about your publicity, then I imagine you are quite well known. It doesn't help that you look like a thinner poorer and curlier-haired version of your mother as a little girl, so even if you weren't particularly famous, you'd be known on sight. Anyone who could look at you right now could most likely guess that you are Eleanor Potter. So when they'd reached London, Lily had taken matters into her own hands by visiting a chemist and buying a box of cheap black hair dye. You look like a chav, was Wizard Lennon's final conclusion after looking in the mirror and seeing the black hair that just screamed of the use of hair dye that combined with the frayed blue sweater and the faded blue shorts, did manage to accent his point, but Lily personally didn't think that hair color made that much of a difference. You look like you just walked out of your mobile home, which is filled with your seven brothers and sisters, all of whom have hyphenated names. He almost seemed disgusted by it, and in her mind she caught what looked like one of Wizard Lennon's memories of a really ugly man with a few teeth missing, lisping racial slurs at him like there was no tomorrow. Well, I don't look like Eleanor Potter anymore, right? Wizard Lennon, in spite of the fact that her father apparently had curly black hair, was forced to agree that at this point no one would mistake her for a Potter. A little after that, a trip through a pretty grimy-looking pub called the Leaky Cauldron, and a trip through a back alley, she found herself in the middle of Magical Britain's most popular shopping district, 
which looked like a really boring version of a mall. Is this it? Around her, people were milling here and there, all dressed in extra fancy bathrobes and pointy hats, carrying shopping bags and conversing with one another, all looking like a renaissance fair gone terribly, terribly wrong. She'd expected something, well, more. These people were willfully taking advantage of the destruction of the universe. Surely they'd be cooler than pointy hats. She opened the notebook of observations and started a new section under glitch manipulators. Act disturbingly normal, doing errands such as shopping. Only real difference is the style, which looks like they just walked out of a comic convention or a renaissance fair. All in all, don't seem like a society taking advantage of one of the side effects of Ragnarok. You'll find that humans are pretty well human wherever you are. There's no such thing as the Ubermensch, at least not for them. Now stop gawking. You look like a lunatic talking to yourself in the street. I thought I looked like a chav, Lily responded, somewhat confused. Oh, believe me, Lily, you look like that too. Now get walking. Lily started walking forward at Wizard Lennon's instructions towards the Goblin Bank, which Wizard Lennon wanted to visit first for funding to buy books and other necessary materials. According to him, the Potters had been extremely wealthy, and as their only heir, she should have at least some access to the account, even if it was limited. Goblins, Wizard Leonard explained, generally tends to have fewer scruples when it comes to things like the age of a client, or moral obligation to see their clients make responsible decisions, so they are unlikely to bat an eye at the six-year-old head of the family wishing to withdraw funds as a wizard might. As she passed through the streets, a few people met the sight of her with raised eyebrows, but at the look of determination on her face, they all went back to their own lives. She may have been a six-year-old walking alone through Diagon Alley, but she was a six-year-old on a mission. That was much different. "'I'm the head of the family?' Lily asked Lennon, to which she heard a vague confirmation. "'Unless you have a secret older brother I'm unaware of, then yes. You are the head of the noble and ancient house of Potter, and thus the head of their bank accounts as well.' Usually a magical guardian would be appointed to take care of funding until he reached majority, but considering the fact that you were dumped with the Dursleys, it doesn't look like anyone is caring for your well-being. Again, even if someone has the key, there should be a trust fund available to you simply by the use of your blood. It was surprising how much Wizard Lennon knew about her parents. She never asked him about them, because aside from the car crash, she hadn't considered the three of them to be that connected. The more she talked to him, though, the more it seemed like he really knew them, had researched them, and had strategically thought out their deaths. She'd never really known her parents. There had been a time before she'd known death and Wizard Lennon that she'd wondered what having parents would be like. She'd sometimes dreamed about two people looking at her the way that Uncle Vernon and Aunt Petunia looked at Dudley. That was a long time ago, though. She'd long since given up sentiments like that. She'd get by just fine without them, she always had and in some ways it didn't matter that Wizard Lennon had casually slaughtered them in a pickup truck. She could feel Wizard Lennon bristling in her head, wanting to interrupt that it wasn't a pickup truck, but instead green lasers of death, but just because she was visiting Diagon Alley and doing him a huge favor didn't mean she had to listen to every word he said. Besides, green death lasers were ridiculous. Green death lasers is not the technical term, he grumbled in her head as they walked through the marble doors to the bank. It was a very fancy bank. Fancier than any place she'd ever been. Marble was everywhere, and gold chandeliers were hanging from the ceiling. Behind the teller's windows sat grumpy-looking shriveled men the height of munchkins and the Wizard of Oz. She supposed those must be goblins, and by the look of their clothing and glasses they were quite well off. Putting on her best impression of Wizard Lennon on a mission, namely that of a man who was not to be interrupted or questioned for fear of death, she walked to the nearest teller. She was about to tell him that her name was Eleanor Potter, and she was here for her gold, 
but before she could start, the goblin took one look at her and paled slightly, his narrow black eyes growing wide, and he left the window. Hey, I, I, I want service? she asked after the empty window. It's official. You look too poor, inbred, and ignorant even for the goblins. I never thought I'd see the day they'd deny a customer, but here it is. She got the feeling that Wizard Lennon didn't really believe the words he was saying either, but they were still standing at an empty window waiting for the goblin to come back. Before Lily could shout for some attention, she saw the goblin returning with an even more official-looking goblin following behind. They're sending the manager. Wizard Lennon began thinking very rapidly, giving Lily a vague headache. Images began cycling rapidly, most of them featuring the crazy old man from the wardrobe burning incident. Whoever that guy was, Wizard Lennon had some serious unresolved issues with him. Maybe Wizard Lennon needed to chat with Dr. Mitchell. He was clearly harboring some intense feelings. I do not need to see your pathetic psychologist, Wizard Lennon responded harshly, which probably meant he really did need to see her pathetic psychologist, he just didn't want to talk about it. Before they could get into an in-depth discussion about Wizard Lennon's feelings, they were interrupted by the pair of goblins who had returned to the window. Miss Riddle, it has been some time, the goblin manager said, looking her straight in the eyes with a rather flat expression, as if he wasn't particularly thrilled to see her. If you trolled me, we'll discuss the status of your current accounts. Riddle? Lily asked Wizard Lennon for clarification. Isn't that what Uncle Death calls you? At the same time, though, Wizard Lennon was exclaiming in her head, Riddle? Surely they don't mean... Uh, yeah. Lily blankly followed after the goblin pair into a back room, feeling very confused, especially since Wizard Lennon was refusing to come up with a reasonable explanation, leaving Lily hopelessly in the dark. Maybe they mistook her for Wizard Lennon. He was in her head, after all, and she had a feeling that he was one of those really important people you didn't overlook just because they were stuck in someone else's brain. She was taken to a back room that was rather plain when compared to the rest of the bank. There was a table and four chairs, but other than that, there wasn't much there. After taking their seats at the table, the goblins stared at her with an intensity that no one besides Wizard Lennon and sometimes Death ever did. Seeing that sort of expression on the physical plane was nothing more than a bit bizarre. She was very tempted to write it down under goblins in her notebook, but she felt like it would be a bad idea to write ideas like that down while she was still in the same room as them. So... Monies, you say I have monies to discuss? She asked, twiddling her thumbs and trying not to fidget under the staring. Wizard Lennon must have been more than a little disturbed as well, as he didn't even attempt to correct her grammar or her posture. Yes, the head goblin said, motioning to the other to bring out a portfolio with the name Lily Riddle written in very fancy writing on the top. In the past decade since you visited our fine establishment, your investments have more than tripled. As requested, the investigations of certain lore officials and other wizards have all been turned away, and your accounts have remained untouched. Lily began flipping through the folder. She didn't know how much a gallium was worth, but given Wizard Lennon's unusual blankness of thought as if being overwhelmed by the sheer amount of money, she was guessing the big numbers listed on the page meant a lot. That is most excellent, Lily said in her most authoritative tone, the tone of a person who had lots and lots of money. This might be more than what's in the pot of vaults, Wizard Lennon commented in a tone that was almost horrified. Yes, quite, the wee goblin said. Would you like to make any withdrawals today, Miss Riddle? She didn't need Wizard Lennon to feed her the answer to that one. Yes, yes, I would. Two bumpy cart rides, an excellent view of a chained dragon, a dungeon crawl, 
and a room filled with gold coins later, Lily was walking out of the bank with a smile and what Wizard Lennon had deemed an acceptable amount of cash to buy the books, supplies, and perhaps even information they would need. Lily Riddle apparently didn't have a magical guardian keeping her key for her, so Lily had no problem making withdrawals. Lily was celebrating the newfound wealth with ice cream that was in a flavor she had never heard of before. Wizards turned out to be rather creative when it came to their ice cream flavors. It was really turning out to be one of the best days ever. Who knew that Wizard Lennon's demands would turn out to be so useful? Of course, then Wizard Lennon had to do his best to ruin the moment. We may pay dearly for this later, Wizard Lennon observed, obviously not feeling the joy of ice cream given the sheer amount of doom that could be heard in his tone. Pay for what? Wizard Lennon didn't answer, at least not directly, but continued on with whatever he was thinking about. One does not steal from Lily Riddle. It simply isn't done. Lily didn't think it was stealing. The goblins had practically thrown the money at her after all, and perhaps she thought Lily Riddle was Wizard Lennon's secret feminine alter ego, so wouldn't that be like stealing from himself? Not that she could ever see Wizard Lennon in drag. She had the feeling the look of utter death and destruction on his face would ruin any attempt at feminine charm. No relation, I assume. Considering I've never met her in person, it's difficult to tell. However, her reputation is rather infamous, Wizard Lennon clarified, not even touching on the drag comment. At this point in the relationship, there were some things that Lily said that he would just pretend he never heard, so as not to deal with it. It was really weird hearing Wizard Lennon talk so highly about another person. She'd never heard that kind of tone from him before, like this was someone he was actually forced to respect. The fact that there existed a person who earned Wizard Lennon's respect was raising red flags in Lily's head. Well, that's kind of neat, Lily responded as she continued to eat ice cream. If she'd stolen from Wizard Lennon, she was fairly certain she'd be vaporized within the hour by something much worse than green death lasers, so she was guessing this mysterious Lily Riddle was sleeping on the job or dead. Try terrifying and you'd be closer to the mark. Lily Riddle is visiting Britain's only drug lord, not because she hasn't had competition over the years, but because she is absolutely ruthless and demands a complete monopoly over the market. She appeared in the late 1930s, and has owned more than half of the black market ever since. The only reason she isn't openly referred to as a Dark Lord is because she appears to have no interest in politics, and is most likely a mudblood herself. Lily wasn't exactly an expert on the aging process, but she'd assumed that Lily Riddle would look way older than her by 1986, so clearly the goblins were either way nearsighted or there was something funky going on here. Maybe Wizard Lennon had the wrong idea. After all, the Dursleys had categorized Lily as being part of the mysterious they, and Big Brother had sent an agent to her house to erase the memories of therapy and social services. What if this Lily Riddle was secretly her alter ego and not Wizard Lennon's, and that was why the they and the Dursleys kept such a close eye on her because she was a secret drug lord who would kill them all in their sleep if they dared move against her? No, I really doubt that's the case, Wizard Lennon said along with some muttered thoughts on level of competency and that not even Lily could reach that level of weirdness as to be a secret drug lord. Well, the Gulpvins didn't seem to have a problem with it, and you said it was impossible to steal from them, so if they seem so sure I'm Lily Riddle, then I probably am Lily Riddle. She could hear him agreeing that it was really weird that they had unquestioningly let her have access to the bank account, even after a standard blood test as well, but he was also incredibly certain that she was not the Lily Riddle they were thinking of. I said it was nearly impossible, not impossible. It could be done. It would just be incredibly inconvenient to bother with it. I might be a distant relative, which could show up in the blood test and allow you access. 
She was also known to appear in the guise of a little or an adolescent young girl, so you would have the right look to you. Was it then amused, seeming a little calmer? After a little debate, they decided that if someone was watching Eleanor Potter's accounts, it might be safer and easier for the moment to steal from my bloodthirsty drug lord. Besides, Wizard Lennon continued, Lily Riddle no doubt has some formidable connections in the magical underground that could lead to a solution to my current predicament. You mean the freeloading in my brain and having no body of your own? Yes, that. In spite of Lily's discovery of her alter ego, the member of the dreaded they who apparently sold heroin at bargain prices, once offered to take care of the little Grindelwald problem the government seems to be having if they would pay her a slight fee of 10% of magical Britain's GDP and had bloodthirsty vampires as her goons, Wizard Lennon seems to be in a very good mood. She supposed this was because for the first time in half a year he was actually getting his way into taking the first steps toward restoring both himself and the Great Revolution to its former glory. This good mood dissipated with their first real stop of the day, the bookstore, where he and Lily read certain facts he didn't like in some book called Rise and Fall of the Dark Arts. According to the book, some wizard named You-Know-Who, who Wizard Lennon said was really him since his true name of Lord Voldemort was a thing to be feared, had terrorized Wizarding Britain with the use of terrorism, not even really guerrilla warfare by the sound of their attacks, and sought to take over the government and turn it into something called a pure-blood regime. Unfortunately for the great you-know-who, his reign of terror ended rather abruptly when, after massacring the Potter family, he attempted to kill their infant daughter Eleanor Potter and was blown up in an explosion along with most of the house. It was later listed that the whereabouts of Eleanor Potter were unknown, save that some guy called Albus Dumbledore assured the ministry that she was in a safe place. Wizard Lennon was not pleased by any of this, and was silently fuming in her head, projecting the image of the old man in a very brightly colored bathrobe with dancing cats on it being lit on fire. There was something about that old man that just made Wizard Lennon want to hurt things. Not sure what to make of that, Lily continued flipping through the chapter and picking up various details about the incident. Hey, I guess you weren't lying about the car, but why did you try green death lasers instead? Not that Lily was an expert on homicide, but she did consider herself fairly knowledgeable in the ways to kill a person, and she felt that there might be options more reliable, not to mention less tacky than green death lasers. It's only been five years, and I have already been written off as if I am finished, he finally said. She could practically hear him grinding his teeth in her head. It must have been about the revolution. From the sound of the book, it seemed like without his leadership and ability to terrify the masses into following his orders, the movement had sort of fallen apart without him. According to the book, aside from a few really crazy dark arts addicts, who sounded a bit like slightly rational crackheads, Wizard Lennon had no comrades left, unless Lily herself counted, but she had a feeling that Wizard Lennon wouldn't really appreciate her support. Well, you did kind of blow up. Apparently they found your very crispy body next to my crib, so you can't hold it against them. How are they supposed to know you started squatting in my brain? Lily pointed out. At least that's what she thought. She wasn't sure if it was normal or not for dead or dying people to become brain tumors. If that was the norm, then it wasn't something that anyone ever mentioned to her. From what television and the Dursleys had taught her, hearing voices in your head that told you to kill things was generally not a good thing. Lily, don't talk. Even though his tone was soft and lacked inflection, she had the feeling that he'd do something very painful to her head if she disagreed, so she decided to abandon the conversation while the going was good. That pretty much ended their adventures in Diagon Alley for the day, after the goblins, the books, 
and Wizard Lennon's feelings of betrayal as his comrades abandoned both him and the cause, it was already late afternoon. Not to mention the fact that if they tried to do anything more, Wizard Lennon would probably revert back to his roots and attempt to blow up the square and paint it red. She kind of wanted to come back, even if it was just a tacky maw, and she wouldn't be able to do that if it was smithereens. Overall, she considered the trip a moderate success. Wizard Lennon was less happy than when he started, but Lily had a secret identity and mounds of cash to go with it. Sure, that secret identity may not actually be her, and could be a very scary drunk lord who'd slaughter Lily in her sleep when she discovered a six-year-old had been stealing her gold, but that was pretty unlikely. There was also the small fact that Lily couldn't die, so even if the drunk lord tried, she wouldn't get anything out of it. The day had been topped off by her arrival home before any of the Dursleys, and telling a rather confused and agitated Mrs. Fig, who was standing on the front door, that she had been in the attic playing the entire time, and she still had no idea where the day went, and that Mrs. Fig was supposed to be babysitting her. Mrs. Fig hadn't looked sold on the idea, but had nodded in a dazed fashion before strolling back to her house. Later that night she'd even decided to visit Uncle Death and tell him about all the adventures of the day. Wizard Lennon had been forced into coming along, but refused to actually talk with Death. Apparently he just wasn't willing to deal with that at the moment, and instead was looting some of the empty shops in the station by hurling garbage cans through the windows. So it was to the sound of distant breaking glass and screams of rage that the conversation took place. "'Lily Riddle?' Death asked with a frown. "'I would have heard of her if she had existed in my dimension.' I'm afraid I don't know anything about her. Death paused as if to think over the new information. And your friend Lenin said she wasn't a relative of his, a sister, or... Well, I suppose if she was an aunt, she would have been slaughtered by the rest of the family when Tom Riddle decided to clear his ancestral slate. Yeah, no, he said he didn't know whether they were related or not. He's never met her in person, he just knows about her. She shrunk then. She'd hoped Death might know something, but it looked like he was in the dark as well. In the distance, Wizard Lenin could be seen with kerosene walking towards a ruined building with his trademark steely determination. "'Is he all right?' Death asked, motioning to Wizard Lenin with a casual, gloved hand. "'He seems to be having some sort of breakdown.' Dressed in true revolutionary attire, Wizard Lenin began to methodically slosh kerosene over the shop. "'He's kind of upset,' Lily observed. "'He didn't exactly get good news, but I'm sure he'll be fine once he starts researching how to get his body back.' As the building burst into flames, Uncle Death turns to her with a haunted look in his eyes. Are you so certain you want him to have a body back? Sure, I mean, he can't live in my head all the time, can he? Death seemed so old then, and so very tired. He sighed as he looked out at Wizard Lennon. If he can cause this much destruction in a world that doesn't truly exist, what'll become of the real King's Cross Station? He didn't ask like he expected her to answer. He just continued to look grimly ahead at the shadow of Wizard Lennon dancing against the flames. Lily found that she didn't have any words for that moment, just the image before her. Death said alarming things sometimes, she recognized that. But this was the first time that she felt she understood what he was saying. On leaving, she looked over at Wizard Lennon, and in those pale blue eyes she could almost see the ruins of the train station reflected. You okay? I'm fine. For the full text of this and other stories by the same author, visit the AO3 page of The Carnivorous Muffin. Intro music licensed from Pond 5. If you would like to commission me to record a story, voiceover, or character, please get in touch using the contact information on my website, which is located at samgabrielvo.com. 
And there you can find other stories that I've read, as well as links to my Patreon page, to which I hope you consider subscribing to support me, and my Discord server, where I record things live for your enjoyment. And finally, as always, thank you for listening.